Well, it's the 21st Sunday of the year, so we want to go to Proverbs 21, just for a proverb for you today. Verse 21, Proverbs 21, 21 says this, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. How many of you know that when you get on the right road, it takes you to the right destination? When you're pursuing the right things, it will lead you to the right destination. And so I encourage you to do that every week. I encourage you to read through the, the proverb of that week. Next week will be 22, the 22nd week of the year, and we'll get through 31, and then we'll just kind of randomly pull some out, and I'll have something to give you probably probably at the end of the year of some of the best Proverbs from the year. And so uh, I encourage you to be reading the book of Proverbs. Also, we're looking um, at a book right now as, the, as kind of the thought behind this sermon series. Today's sermon actually is not even in the book at all anywhere, I don't think. But um, as I was reading through, maybe it prompted some thoughts and ideas. The Always God. And so a couple of weeks ago, we kicked this series off uh, and we looked at the God who sees every detail of your life, hears every cry of your heart, and speaks to every moment of your life. How many of you are glad for God's constant presence in your life? He knows what's going on. Then last week, we looked at seven ways that God helps you. Different times, probably not all seven at the same time, hopefully not. But if you need all seven, he'll do all seven for you. We looked at God who rescues the lost who restores the broken, who calms the anxious, who encourages the fearful, who comforts the lonely, who helps the angry, and who forgives the guilty. And so this week, I want us to look at this fact that God is always trustworthy. God is always trustworthy. If you have your notes there, you can look with me or you can go in your Bible to Isaiah 26. Verses 3 and 4, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. You're familiar with this verse if you've been in church very long. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The next verse says, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Lord, I pray today that your word would reach our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and illumination. May we be more convinced today than ever before that you are worthy of our trust. And when we place our trust in you, it will always bring a good result. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, trusting God is a major theme of the Bible. We actually see the phrase used a lot more in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament kind of speaks of it from a philosophical, theoretical position. The New Testament has trusting God, but instead it's demonstrated by example. It's demonstrated as Paul uh, went on his missionary journeys courageously trusting God to be his provider. Uh, we, we certainly see Jesus Christ as one who trusted in God continually. Every great story in the Bible was the result of trusting God. Think about Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, Esther, on and on and on. Every one of those has this connect point that they trusted in God. When you read through the Psalms, there are several verses, probably 10 or more, that directly encourage us trust in the Lord. 
Trusting God is a major theme of the Bible, and therefore it's worthy of our consideration. We must trust him because our knowledge and understanding are limited and biased. We look at life from a perspective that is not objective. Um, We all want to be objective. We try to be objective, but our feelings get in the way. Our lack of knowledge gets in the way. And we trust God because his ways are higher than ours. We trust God because he is omniscient. He has all knowledge. And we can trust that he is always in control. God is the only chance we have for peace in a chaotic world. The Bible calls him our refuge, our strong rock, our place of comfort, and when we go to him, he always helps us. Trusting God brings joy. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 4. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. And trusting God is a comprehensive way of life. So this morning, I want to go through the acrostic of trust, T-R-U-S-T, and give you five keys that you've got to have in your life if you're going to experience complete trust in God. Number one, the first T, I'm going to use the word teachable. If you want to trust God, you cannot have your mind fixed on what you think is going on. You have to be willing to learn things that are beyond your human understanding. Psalm 143 verse 8 says, let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. It is the most natural thing that when you trust in God, you will want to be taught by God. If you believe he is who he says he is, then you want him to give to you the help, the knowledge, the understanding that you need to get through life. Now, where this normally flares up the biggest is when we have a problem. It's easy to say, Lord, I trust you when everything is going well. And I remember back to my 20s, I think it was probably, I think it was a youth pastor somewhere in the the early to mid-20s, and uh, there was, in, in the Christian music world, there was, there was a horrible accident, tragedy that occurred, and there was a man named Keith Green who was one of just the stars of, of Christian music at that time with great songs, with incredible lyrics, from all appearances had a heart of humility and a love for God. And he died in a plane crash, a private plane crash. And the the tragedy of it was it could have been avoided. And there's a little bit of different things going on that made it wrong. And he was closely associated with a lot of other music people. And there was a lady, she was a girl at the time, a young lady named Twyla Paris. And she wrote this song that says, Do I Trust You? And it starts off with, Sometimes my little heart can't understand what your doing. And there are times that we don't understand, and that's the times that we need to be taught. Let the Word of God give us all instruction right now. As you endure this divine discipline, Hebrews 12 says, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? Anybody ever seen a child that never was disciplined? 
Anybody ever see a child that got everything they wanted when they wanted it? Anybody got a word for what kind of person that is? Can I put two words together? And I think most of you just said one of the two, spoiled brat. But God does not want us to be spoiled children. And sometimes we go through seasons of difficulty. Now, let me just share this real quick. It's not in the notes, but you need to hear this. Why do we have problems in life? There are many causes, many reasons. Sometimes my problems are caused by me. I do something foolish. I do something thoughtless. I do something that's just wrong. And it's going to come back to create a problem for me. Sometimes my problem, truthfully, is created by other people. Maybe I'm driving along innocently, and the the most extreme example I can think of this is a person who's driving their car down the road. They're in their lane. They're going the right speed limit, and someone who's under the influence of alcohol or for whatever reason crosses over in front and hits them. They were doing nothing wrong, but it can be other people. Sometimes problems are created because of the world in which we live, which is a flawed world because of sin. Um, sometimes it happens because the devil is on the attack against you and he's trying to destroy you. But through all of those things, God uses them to help us grow. We don't like that very much, just like the two-year-old doesn't like being told no. We want what we want now and we want it the way we want it. And God, when you don't do it, why not? And what's going on? What's wrong with you? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. It's a great word right here for a Father's Day sermon or even for a baby dedication like we had today. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, and every father in the room said amen. So this is one of my prayers every day. I pray this every day, sometimes multiple times a day. God, help me to get it right. Because sometimes life brings things in your direction that you're really not prepared for. You don't have the wisdom. You don't know how to get right, and you can pray and ask God to help you get it right, Unfortunately, I'll be quick to admit to you, I don't always get it right, but I'm trying to, and I'm praying that way. As a father, we do the best that we can, but look at what the next verse says, the next phrase says, but God's discipline is always good for us. Now, the discipline, again, doesn't mean he created the problem, doesn't mean he put it on us. Sometimes, by the way, I didn't mention this while ago, but sometimes the problem you have, God did bring it on you. You know why? When that happens, it's because he's trying to get your attention and to draw you back to him. You don't believe me? Go back and read about the Israelites of the Old Testament. A lot of the problems they had was God's hand of justice and punishment upon them so that they would repent. God's discipline leads us to righteousness. And we'll see that in just a moment here. But whatever discipline comes from wherever it comes, it's when God is involved, it's always good for us so that we might share in holiness. That's one of my favorite phrases, this next verse, 11. 
No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. This is the NLT. I love the way it reads it here. It's painful. We're not like going, oh, yeah, give me a second on that. Where do I go for more of the buffet? We're thinking, dude, can I just get this done with and get past it? It is not pleasant, not enjoyable. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Difficult times are not pleasurable, but they can be profitable. They can have value in your life if you trust in God. When you're going through a difficult experience, it's good to ask questions that will help you to grow. Number one question to ask is this, what can I learn from this situation? That's not just even necessarily related to the things of God, but just in life. What can I learn from this situation? How many of you can, can identify with me that one thing I should have learned by now is that when we buy something that requires assembly, number one, how many of you can agree with me, I shouldn't even buy it. <laughs> number two, help, I probably should look at the instructions before I start. How many of you like me, you kind of glance a little bit and you think, I think I have this. Then all of a sudden you realize, oh, that's upside down, and now I've got to take it all back apart again. And the thing that wouldn't fit, and then I kind of broke a little bit, that wouldn't have happened if I had done it right to begin with. Well, what can I learn? What can I learn from this situation? A second question to ask is, why did this happen? Not self-pity question. Oh, why me? Why did? I'm not talking about that. What did I do that contributed to this? Could I have done something different? And it's not to necessarily go back and, and, and worry about things that you can't change. You can't change the past. How many of you wish you could? If I had a machine that let you change your past, I would be the richest man in the world. There'd be so many people lined up to buy that and try it out. We can't go back and change the past, but we should always learn from it. Why did this happen? What were the factors? What could I have done differently? I'm just giving illustrations that are hopefully that they're rather extreme, maybe have humor at least connected to them in that way, not necessarily funny, ha-ha, but just see the side of it. You know, if, if you, if when you're in college, if you didn't study all semester long and you try to pull an all-nighter and you finally inadvertently fall asleep at about six in the morning, and when your alarm goes off, you, it, it doesn't have any effect on you because you were up for several hours straight. And you don't get to the class and you fail the class because you didn't take the test that you should have been studying for. How I many you know there's a lot of whines that we can answer about that one? Study as you go. Don't put it off to the end. And even if you put it off to the end, don't stay up so late that you cannot do what you need to do the next day. You can take that a lot of different places, but ask the question, why did this happen? What were the factors that I can avoid or that I can eliminate next time? The third question is, how can I grow from this? How can I grow? How can I get stronger? How can I get better through this experience? The fourth one, they all kind of tie back in. How, can, how could I have prevented this outcome? Now, 
talking about teachable, a couple things I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's leading us to learn and to grow from him. In difficult seasons, I mentioned a while ago, they're not enjoyable, but they'll be beneficial if we receive this teaching that is given in Hebrews for us to understand in Hebrews chapter 12. Second letter is the, the letter R, and that word stands for resilient. Psalm 26.1 speaks of that resilience. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. The Bible talks about faith and the importance of having a steadfast faith, not being what the Bible calls double-minded, understanding we walk by faith, not by sight, and we are overcomers. It's kind of funny. We like to sing songs and quote verses about being an overcomer, but to be an overcomer, you got to come over something. That means there was a problem, there was a dilemma, there was an issue that you got through. Proverbs 24, 16, again, one of my favorite verses. By the way, I've got hundreds of favorite verses. So, I, I, if you, I, I got, there's 66 books in the Bible. Which one's my favorite? Well, I've got 66 of them, to be honest. They're different things, different times, and it's hard to pick one out. But, but here's what Proverbs 24, 16, I love this verse. The godly may trip seven times but they get up again. That right, there, that right there ought to have excited your heart just a little bit. The godly can trip, but they keep getting up. Listen to the next phrase, though. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. They throw in the towel on the first problem. Men and women of God, they have a challenge. They have an issue. They keep on going. They keep on marching. They keep pushing forward. Resilient faith is a quality of faith that can see us through trouble, temptation, and trials, and even come out stronger. Do you realize how much that must frustrate the devil? When something happens, and from his perspective, he thinks that you're going to lose it. He thinks from his perspective that you're going to quit and give up, and you get up, and you dust yourself off, and you keep marching. Resiliency. Trusting in God requires us to be teachable, requires us to be resilient. You need a faith in God that helps you to bounce back. Think of all the bounce backs of the Bible, people that came back from the problem. Our, our example of life is the greatest example of this. He went into the grave, but he didn't stay there. Sometimes I'll talk about people in our church who have gone through difficulty and been near the, the brink of death and near just, just difficulty. And I'll, I'll say to someone else about that person, they're a super ball person. What I mean by that, have you ever, do you ever have a super ball? Maybe it's, like, you know, the bouncy balls? You, you drop it, and they, they're not like a regular ball. They don't bounce back just a little. They bounce back even higher. And, and I think of some people, they're like that. When they get dropped, when they fall, when they have a problem, they bounce back. They have resilience. Don't give up. When you give up, you miss out on the opportunity to grow. And probably, more times than not, you're going to have to take that lesson again. I've seen people think, well, if I just had a different spouse, it would be different. 
Same problems going to come up. If I got a new job, that would fix everything. I just need a fresh start. Well, you do need a fresh start, but changing location or changing the people around you doesn't fix it. You got to pass that test. You got to trust in God. You've got to learn to have discipline in your life. You have to do whatever it takes to be resilient in living for God. When you quit, you guarantee your failure and you prevent your success. Think about, think about when, when runners are at the Olympics and they're running in a, in a race and it's an 800 meter race. If someone quits at 790 meters, even, in their, even if they're in first place, if they just stop and sit down on the track right there, they're going to lose. And if they never cross the line, it will be as if they never even ran the race. That seems unfair. They ran 79th of 80 of the race, but it's as if they never ran. Don't quit in the moment of difficulty. Press through with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the strength of God's word. Be resilient and keep on going. Resiliency will build your trust in God. The you, I put the word unconditional. Your trust in God can't be based on temporary things. It has to be a trust that has no condition attached to it. Lord, I am trusting in you no matter what happens. So many times in the Bible we see this phrase, depending on the version that you're reading, trust in the Lord at all times or trust in the Lord always. There's this this need for us to come to a place in our trust of God where it is unconditional. Please know your enemy and how he works against you, the devil and the demons of hell, they conspire to discourage you, to discourage me, to push us to quick. Don't let the devil win. Don't let him have victory. Make this decision. I'm going to trust God without any conditions. Trust cannot be affected by the temporary situation. You've got to see past what's going on in your life today. I was reading a very tragic story that just unfolded in the last couple of weeks about a young person, a teenager, who had committed suicide because of some bullying that was going on from people in the school. And the the psychologist who was giving the story and telling about it gave this, this point of understanding from their study. And they said that, especially among young people, sometimes it's hard to see past the problem they're facing right now and how will this ever work out. And if they've done something that somebody is going to share, the, in this particular case, um, they talked about the fact it, it, it has to do with that they were extorting them almost and said, if you don't give me money, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to tell people that, and I'm going to post these pictures and do all these things. And the young person who had no apparent issues of this nature committed suicide. And the psychologist who was telling about this said, it's because that at that age in life, things can seem so big 
that they don't see any way to ever get through. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it may be more accelerated with younger people, but I've seen adults in the same capacity. When we start looking at the wrong thing, we're always going to get in trouble. When we allow the what ifs to be bigger than the we knows, we're going to get in trouble. We know that God is for us. I'm going to say that again, and I want it to get deep into your heart. We know that God is for us. It's Romans chapter 8, by the way. We know that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? We have to have this, this unconditional trust in God that says, I'm holding on to him. Romans 8.18 says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Fourth word, selfless. Selfless. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Romans 12, 3. Because the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. How many of you know Paul's putting on pretty thick right there? He's not saying, hey, here's, he's saying because of the privilege that God's given, because the authority has given me, I warn all of you, listen to me. Here's what he says. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Isn't it amazing how easy it, how easy it is to see the speck of dirt in someone else's eye and ignore the telephone pole that's sticking out of your own? Be honest. Think of others more highly or better than yourselves. You see, when you serve others, when you become selfless and become a servant, when you serve others, it strengthens your trust in God. You know what happens when we don't serve others, when we become selfish instead of selfless? We become all consumed with our problem. A person who's all wrapped up in their own life becomes a very small box. When we reach outside, and we help others, when we bless others, when we pray for others, then we are strengthened through that very action. Serving others helps you take your mind off your situation. How many of you discovered that the devil, one of his tools against us, is to get us to be consumed with our problems? We see nothing but that. And the problem just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You all know the old illustration, but if you bring a penny close enough to your eye, it will block the power of the sun. Something so, so simple, something so tiny, so insignificant can block out something as magnificent as the sun. When you begin to serve others, it helps you take your mind off your situation. And something I've seen countless times over, it's often while you serve others that God will bring deliverance to you. I've heard it way more than one time. I've heard it dozens of times. 
Somebody talk about they were praying for someone else and while they were praying for someone else, they had been battling a headache or they'd been a backache or something was going on. And as they were praying for that person, all of a sudden the pain that they had, they realized it's gone. When you become selfless, which is the example of Jesus Christ, the Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 that I read a while ago for you, is speaking about Christ humbling himself even to death on the cross. When you do that, when you become selfless, it helps you to grow in trust in God. So let me go through them again. Make sure we're there getting ready to hit number five. Number one, be teachable. Number two, be resilient. Number three, be unconditional. Number four, be selfless. And number five, be thankful. A spirit of gratitude is an indicator of trust. When I'm thankful, that's me saying to God, I trust that you have brought me here and you will lead me on. Gratitude should be a constant attitude for a Christ follower. Ephesians 5.20, listen to what this verse says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks for everything. Gratitude sees God as being greater than your situation. You know what else gratitude does? It acknowledges that you're believing in something that is still in your future. Have this attitude of gratitude, this spirit of thankfulness that helps your trust to grow in God. Hosea 12, 6 says, you must return to your God, love him, do what is just, and always trust in him as your God. Three ways I want to challenge you today to trust in God. Number one, trust Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. You cannot save yourself. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Every one of us, we need a Savior because sin is in the life of every person. And only Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life can free us from that bondage. You need a Savior. The words Savior and Lord go together. They're they're not like two separate things that you can, can pull apart because for him to be your Savior, you've got to make him your Lord. But why wouldn't you? Making Jesus the Lord of your life I don't know how much of y'all watch TV or watch commercial. Or there's a commercial now. I think it's one of the insurance companies. And they're, they're out. Some kids are out on the basketball court. And they're getting ready to pick teams for basketball. These kids look to be about fifth, sixth grade age or whatever. And all of a sudden in the commercial, Charles Barkley, former NBA player, shows up. And one of the kids looks around and goes, I'll take Barkley. And the whole thought is, well, that was a pretty easy choice. Making Jesus the Lord of your life is a pretty easy choice. It's, it makes sense. He has power. He has wisdom. He loves you. He died for you. He will care for you. Being the Lord of your life, that word comes back um, from, from ancient days when there was a Lord of, of a, a, a land, the owner who was over it all, and he had all these servants working for him, and the Lord was the provider, the protector, and also the one you gave your obedience to. But it's not hard to obey somebody who's providing for you. It's not hard to obey someone who loves you. It's not hard to obey someone 
who has knowledge beyond your knowledge. Trust the Lord to be your Savior. Trust Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Number two, trust the Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth. One of the words that's given for the role of the Holy Spirit is he is our guide. He will lead us where we need to be. And because he lives in us, we have an internal GPS system. Now, that's very encouraging and reassuring, but some of you are like me. I know you are. Janet has seen this in the car. I'm driving my car along, and that GPS tells me what to do. And I tell that GPS, no. Occasionally, I'm right, but more times than not, GPS wins. You have an internal GPS with the Holy Spirit, but you have to listen to what he's saying. And the more you listen, the better you hear. He speaks in a quiet voice often. Sometimes it could be loud, but more than not, he will guide you in all truth. He will help you. Trust the Father to help you grow strong and courageous. He's a good father. He's a good father. Jesus made this statement one time. I think it's one of the powerful statements in Scripture. He said, if, if, your, if your kid asks you for something to eat, are you going to give them a snake? No. If they ask for a piece of bread, you going to give them a rock? No. And he makes this statement. If you, and I don't like this part, but it's true. He says, if you being evil, oh, don't call me that, Lord. I'm a pretty good guy. If you having severe limitations in your character, in your personhood, if you, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts? And one of the writers of the Gospels uses the word there. He illustrates the best gift. Once you become a Christian, the best gift that he gives to Christians is the Holy Spirit. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to all who ask of him? You can trust God continually. I don't have the silver bullet. I don't have the, the, the magical elixir or whatever it is that people are looking for out there that just automatically changes everything. And, you know, it's going to be different. But I can tell you this. You will overcome. You will be victorious. Just hold on to God. Trust in him. Have faith in him. Would you bow your heads all across the room for just a moment? Those of you that are watching online, I encourage you to join right now, the, those of us in the room, and to examine your own heart and to ask, Lord, do I, do I trust you? Jesus, have I trusted in you? to be my Lord, my Savior. Holy Spirit, do I trust you to guide me? Father, do I trust you that you're growing me, that you're helping me in every situation. You are at work. Our God is an always God, and he is always trustworthy. You can count on him. How many of you here today or if you're watching online, you can indicate 
through the, the comment box there. Let us know what's going on in your life. But how many of you here today would say, I need to trust Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I need him to forgive my sins and to make me a new person. If that's you, would you lift your hand just real high all across the room so I can pray with you right now? Keep it up until I can see, even look and make eye contact with me if you can to make sure. All across the room, how many would there be today? I need to trust in Jesus to be my Savior, to be my Lord. How many of you would say, I need to trust the Holy Spirit to guide me and to be more aware and attentive to that voice that speaks in my heart, in my consciousness. And I want the Holy Spirit, I want to trust the Holy Spirit to guide me. Can I see you with your raising hand? Yes, 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 yes. This last one's a little bit hard, but it's so necessary. How many of you will join me and you'll say, I'm going to trust God the Father that he is growing me and he is developing me and he's never going to put me through something that, that I can't get through with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the power of God's word. I will overcome. I will be victorious and I'm going to trust God that he's going to help me to grow and to become stronger even in the midst of difficulty. If that's you, would you raise your hand with me all across the room? I'm believing God's going to help me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I want us to do this today. Stand with me all across the room. I'd like for our prayer team, if you guys would come, just be here in the front. And if you raised your hand for any of those things, I would encourage you to do this right now. Take time for a moment of prayer. If you need somebody, prayer team, if you guys just go ahead and come right now. Everybody that's, that's here, they can do that. If, if you need someone to join with you in prayer, that's why I'm going to be here in the front to help you with that. If you just want to sit in your seat and focus your prayers toward God, you can do that. I'll tell you this, just to help you out, especially though if you need encouragement, let somebody help you. Because... The Bible talks about the value of united prayer. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight fight to flight. The power of multiplication is amazing. So if you need prayer right now, as Pastor Russell leads us in this song of worship, I invite you to come. Join your faith with someone here at the front. Let them pray with you. If not, where you're seated, where you're standing right now, would you just make this prayer in your heart, thanking God for his goodness and asking him to help you grow in your trust, to know that he will always be with you. Father, I thank you that you are a good God, that you are working in every situation always you call us to be thankful at all times I pray Lord that you will grow us till we become exactly what you've designed us to be to be more in the image of Jesus and not conformed to the image of this world thank you for the power of transformation 
Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding us. Jesus, thank you for saving us. We give you praise for your goodness and your love to us. Amen.